Welcome to Teach Languages Online, the podcast dedicated to bringing you the best advice about your online teaching business. I'm Lindsay Williams, an online language teacher from the UK, and I'm your host. And as always, I have a recommendation for you this episode, and this time it's the Online Language Teacher Planner, my digital and print-ready planner to get your online language teaching in order and make you more productive. Find out more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash teacher planner. Now, let's get into today's show. As we're back to the beginning of our cycle of episodes, I'm here for the science stuff with Ashley. Hello. Hi. (laughs) You're back. Yes. I didn't scare you off. No. Good. What are we talking about today? Uh, Today we're talking about another, um, kind of possibly another equally famous learning model to Bloom's taxonomy, and that's VARC model of learning. Whenever you say VARC, I yeah. just, I just, I just think of you know at the end of the Inbetweeners when there's a VARC. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Ardvark. Ah, oh, so like, like Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's. In many ways, it's almost like the perfect example of a learning model for teachers because it's a solid acronym. And if you are like a teacher, you, you tend to speak in acronyms a lot. So the idea of VARC fitting into as a learning model actually fits <laughs> there perfectly. I know this just from you telling me about your day every day. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty much just a go-to. I mean, it's, it's, it's like in every job, but I think teaching tends to have a lot of like three-letter acronyms. I don't really like, don't think it saves a lot of time, but it does cause a lot of confusion. But nonetheless, VARC fits into that because obviously... It's a model of learning that actually came about and has influenced a whole wave of teachers across the globe. Okay, but it's four letters, not three, right? V-A-R-K, is that correct? V-A-R-K. What does it stand for? Okay, so VARC model of learning is um, based on the idea of that we all learn in a specific way. VARC stands for visual, aural, reading and writing. They seem to sneak that one in and kinesthetic learning. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea is that it's, um, it's, it was designed by a man called Neil Fleming, who's from New Zealand, which is quite nice to actually have someone from New Zealand create it. And he created it in 1987, and it kind of became very popular in the late 80s into the early and mid-90s. So as learning models go, it's quite new. Um, now, the, the idea of it is it's all based around the idea of self-assessment. So what you do is you take a 16... Um, question questionnaire and from the questionnaire you it determines whether or not you're a visual learner a aura learner a reading learner or a kinesthetic learner or if you're none of those you're an mm which stands for multimedia well a multimodal learner oh yeah so it should actually be vacuum 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 which kind of sounds like smeagol like hocking up so like, vacuum so it's like you know is smeagol something from lord of the rings yeah, it is yeah lord of the rings and new zealand yeah um so i can add this to my knowledge so like i've got like lord in my little new zealand bank i've got flight of the concords in there and now neil, i've got vark vark and neil fleming cool yeah neil fleming's actually still going he's actually like it's still like, going. Yeah, you know, well, there's a there is a big thing about uh, guys who create like learning theories and learning models. They they tend to have been around in the 1950s, and they when they've come to like be popular, they 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 are like an I an, an older age. But 
Neil Fleming, he only did it in 87. He's still going around, he's still working. Okay, so it's a lot more recent then. It is, yeah. I mean, it's not a theory of learning, it's it's a model of learning. And this is why it's kind of different to everything else, but it's kind of used not kind of how it should be, but it is still really, it's a very good thing to know about. Mm. So essentially, shall I explain it? Okay, so so far we've got then visual, like, a- a- aural, I guess is the... Aural. Aural, is that how you say it? Yeah, aural. Oh, I always say aural. 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 Aural, like an owl. <laughs> <laughs> you have oral, which yeah. is like when you speak, you have your oral exam and a language test. Yeah. And then you have your aural, aural. which is your listening. No? Is that... Aural. You say aural, okay. Aural, pretty the one, sure. The one that begins with an A. Yeah, A-R-O. then reading and then kinesthetic. Yeah, reading, writing. They 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 seem to like reading open parentheses and writing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So essentially, what uh, the Vark model? It kind of the idea of it is, it puts the emphasis of how people learn, um, in the responsibility of the learner, and the idea is that every learner would take this questionnaire and from this questionnaire of um, essentially it's 16 questions based on real world events. So it might be a question of, uh, so rather than saying like, do you like to read or do you like to listen to music? It would be something along the line of, if you're trying to learn a new dance, would you prefer to look at an expert um, do it? Would you like to look at a diagram of how it's done? Would you like to listen to a transcript of the music and then someone explaining how it's, it's meant to be done or would you like to have a go at just doing it mm-hmm. now from that it's, it's kind of like a it, you you it puts you in this mindset of well when i've learned to dance which i i, I was like emphasize that i don't really know how to dance but this is just an example um when you learn to dance you kind of think okay i think my preferred option would be just to have a go and if that is mm-hmm. the idea of kinesthetic i would put you in the kinesthetic bracket because of it's your and the experimentation ideas to let's see what happens and then you learn from seeing what happens. If you think, you know what, I actually like to watch a YouTube video about it, that puts you into the visual element. If you think actually I'd like to read a diagram and look up the steps and like look at the way your feet are meant to be on a little diagram, that or read like a little blog about how the steps are meant to be done, that puts you into the reading the writing angle. And if you like to just listen to say someone explaining it to you like on a podcast saying this is how to do the cha-cha-cha um that puts you into the um aoral essentially the aoral the discussion element of it i just googled it i think it's aoral i'm gonna settle this once and for all oral sometimes aoral oral sometimes aoral aoral so not aoral aoral no one's ever corrected me it's because they're too embarrassed because they're like well, that that is kind of like the emphasis of the VAR model. I can see this right away. Two reasons. Number one, I remember having this in school with, I was probably like year eight, probably like 2002. I remember my teacher then like, you know, like we all learn in different ways and you're this, 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 this. I remember this whole, there wasn't, there was one missing. I think it was visual reading or kinesthetic. I think that aural one one was missing at the time but i remember that and also it instantly makes sense to me because i'm thinking of 
language skills. Mm. There's reading, there's speaking, there's listening and there's writing. And that kind of almost crosses over perfectly. Almost. Almost. And I think this is this is the um, the thing with art kind of is very popular with people and also kind of misunderstood and misused. Mm. Because it's it, it's kind of like one of those personality tests you take where you like you fill out all this question a long questionnaire and it comes out and it tells you you're at a point a person that's like a point a b and you look up a b and it, it has all these positive attributes like oh my god that's me i'm organized but also not organized i love to walk but also not to walk you know in all these things and when you take the test the idea is it kind of like puts you into these brackets which is great because mm. um essentially it's putting you in control of your own learning. However, if you take this test and you come out and say, okay, I'm a reading learner, mm. or even worse, a teacher tells you to take that test and they, you come back to them and say, oh, I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm, much, I'm, an, I'm, I'm a reading learner. They'll say, okay, I'm going to create lots of resources for you for reading because that's what is your strong point and reading, 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 when actually that's misunderstood it. It's just saying that you have a preference in that situation for reading. And we, we, in reality, we're not visual learners or we're not a oral learner. We're not <laughs> a kinesthetic learner just all the way through life. We're all of these things. We're all multimodal learners. We might have a preference in certain subjects. This is it. And this is the same as language learning when it's like, oh, I, I prefer to learn via reading, for example. So then you never speak and then you can't speak because you've never done that thing. And you so you do you know what I mean? Yeah. A, so, yeah, there, I can it's, see. Yeah. And, that, and that's why. And, and I think kind of like when it comes to your own learning, take yeah. if you take the test and it comes out and it tells you, OK, I'm this kind of learner. That's a good starting point. But it. it, it you could should then think, okay, I'm really confident with reading. Maybe it shows you're really confident in reading elements, especially with language learning. I know how to read a lot of text. I'm very good at it. Then you think, okay, but I'm going to see if I can do some kinesthetic skills. I'm going to try and experiment with it. I'm going to try and use the words in a, a real-life context. Mm. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to make sure I see somebody speaking it. I know that that's not my preferred way of learning, but I need effort. to consciously do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And it's and that's where like that's the strong point of Vark. It can show you this is the strength to start from, but it doesn't mean that's the only place you should work at. Mm. And that's why I say Vark is great, but it can be misused. And like you said about your example of like, like in the late noughties, early late sorry, late nineties, early noughties, where your teacher said, Do this model of learning as that's because the teachers had got given this like brand new piece of information. They want to experiment with it as much as possible. Yeah. And sometimes they, you know, just that's how it works. So over time, the the VARC model has actually evolved. Like you said, when you did it originally, you said the oral wasn't there. It was just the VRK. And like in many ways, actually, it was used to be a free letter acronym um, or a TLK, as we like to call it. Oh, no, as a... TLA. TLA, as we like to call it. Three acronyms. The VARC method, that was around in the late 90s, into the 90s. But since then, you'll actually come across another, uh, other models where it's um, kind of expands from the four models of learning to the eight models of learning or nine models mm. of learning. And it's based still around the same idea of you take a questionnaire and that questionnaire decides what type of learner you are. And then you're able to structure your own learning around that. So kind of like we saw with 
Bloom's taxonomy, how there was this evolution, you know, a few, a few years later of like expanding upon the original and sort of changing and tweaking and stuff. Yeah. The same stuff still happens, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's a kind of like an evolution of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the big thing about VARC is it's very based on what the student wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like think it's a little bit like a horoscope and this is why I'm not a big fan of it but I do I do see its benefit it's like the way you talk about it now is exactly how you talk about horoscopes yeah <laughs> essentially you read into it what you want to find out you, yeah uh, you're never gonna see you if you if you want to be a, a visual learner you're gonna answer every single question on that questionnaire to tell you you're a visual learner if you want to be a kinesthetic learner you feel it in your heart because you've always liked getting your hands dirty you're gonna answer every single question on that questionnaire as a kinesthetic learner mm. In reality, you need to understand you're a multimodal learner. You just have a preference in some aspects of your life. Now, when this comes to like individual learning, that's great. It gives you a, a starting point. But VARC is, has its strength in teaching. And this is where teaching has had to evolve with VARC. You'll see it some... It surprises me you say that. Because I would imagine that if you discover, okay, so this is my particular strength. This is the way I'm best at, at learning then if you're learning on your own that would be really easy because you could just adapt your own learning patterns but in a classroom i imagine this is quite difficult you've got 30 kids all different preferences on the sort of vark yeah well i mean how does that work for me personally and i used this a lot when i was um an nqt and Uh then moved on from that nqt (laughs) (laughs) another thing A newly qualified teacher. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I used it a lot when I was a newly qualified teacher and then I kind of just do it consciously yeah. on from there, really. But if you, it's, it's great when you're planning a lesson because you think, okay, where's the, my visual element of the lesson? Where's my reading element of the lesson? Where's my writing element of the lesson? Where's my kinesthetic mm. element of the lesson? And although... So you're using it as a way to make sure you've covered everything. Covered everything. Yeah. Because you're not thinking... Obviously, I know mm. that the idea is there isn't going to be like for one part of the lesson Jimmy over here is going to like the reading and Sally's going to like the listening to me and um, Timmy at the back is who's usually playing with Lego but he's really going to love the kinesthetic element Mm. Um, I understand that that's not right but if they get the same message in four different ways it's more likely to go in and just like if you're planning a one-to-one lesson you would start with um kind of like maybe a kinesthetic task to engage people you would then go to kind of like a visual matching thing you or, or you'd watch a video together you'd then go to a reading exercise you'd then go to a listening exercise whatever order you want to go in you you'd you'd essentially know very learn very quickly if you are on one-to-one basis of what your student prefers and you'd lead with that so it's easier isn't it i think yeah it's in a, in a one-to-one one-to-one take is, advantage of this yeah i mean it's it's obviously like if you're doing it online yeah the kinesthetic element is a little bit more difficult yeah but in the same respect kinesthetic is just experimentation it's just trying it it doesn't mean literally picking up and rubbing it with your hands right. like you know you can you you can learn lots of things by just having a go does it, I mean, if, because I've often with um, younger students online, and I often feel, oh, they're missing that sort of kinesthetic element, you know, of mm. like playing with all the toys and stuff. So I've often had like props at my end that I've then held up, you know, from time to time, like, oh, you know, like plastic food, for yeah, example, yeah. rather than just 
on the Google Slides, yeah. having the images. Does that make a difference, do you think? Because well, it's, it's, it's still on a screen. They're still seeing it as a visual thing, but the only, it's more active what yeah, they're seeing. I mean, that... in reality, what you're doing is you're just enhancing your their visual experience and you're yeah. making it kinesthetic for yourself. Because so, if you're playing with a puppet, your kinesthetic learning's great, but all they're doing is seeing a puppet. It's still visual for them. Yeah. What you could do is have mirror props. So if you say, um, okay, you work with young kids, you could say, okay, if you've got a bag, a bag of Lego there, make sure they have a box of Lego in front of them and you have a Lego on your end. And you say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to look for the coloured bricks, say. We're, we're mm. going to like use that language. And they can do the same thing on their end, which is like working together. Now, that's kind of like building up this kind of like mirror kinesthetic model. I mean, of this, this is like, this is like a new era of teaching the idea of like being able to do kinesthetic through skype it's it's in many ways it's mind-blowing i think yeah. bloom's head would literally explode if this if he saw this but the idea is yes you could have this kinesthetic element if they have mirror props just don't think okay i've got a little thing to play with they are still like just watching you play with yeah. it i mean if you've got a group a great thing to do is um like if you're working with young children and, and uh, and like, when you do kind of like foundation and key stage one um, level learning, a lot of it's kinesthetic based. Mm. A lot of it's free photo learning. Any, if you have any chance to go into and see a foundation or a reception classroom, they are amazing lands of learning. Just absolutely amazing. They like each they've got whole outdoor areas full of sand pits and oh, yeah, and love play areas. Things. Now for the child, they're just playing. Yeah. But in reality, their sand pit is sometimes usually has little S shapes in it or have snakes in there. And they'll have been learning through their phonics sound. Oh, yeah, and so they go, what's that there? That's a snake. Oh, snake. That's a snake. What are you playing in mm. sand? And then they draw mm. with the sand and they're creating this because they don't actually have that um, comprehension level yet to realise, okay, I'm just going to remember the S. Thank you very much, Mrs. Saunders. And they can't read. No, they so can't read it yet. So that takes one possible... Yeah, best way of it's, learning out. It's them, all it? kinesthetic, but it's yeah. also kinesthetic linked with, um, it's linked with aural and visual. Essentially, yeah. The only bit that's taken out of it is the reading element because they haven't yet got that. Mm. I mean, they, that's why kind of like sometimes reading's omitted from it because they think, well, actually, no one's a reading learner because you're not a reading learner at a young age. Yeah, I guess reading is, is, is like you know writing in itself is sort of an invented yeah. thing, whereas speech has always happened yeah. naturally you know writing came later and even if you say about a child who's like they, you give them a pen and they start writing the letters or start writing it down in reality if they they're actually still at that kinesthetic level because mm. they're just experimenting with the shapes but it's still kinesthetic true, true. it's the evolution into you could argue that writing. reading is visual yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah I wonder thinking about kinesthetic and being online I wonder if you have, when you have like, because I've got certain activities that I use in, in lessons that are like, um, you know, like say uh, a Google Slides document and there's like matching things, you know, and you have to click. So the student has to click them and put them together or they have to type things out themselves or, you know, activities like that where they're doing things, you know, they're the ones that are using the keyboard, they're mm. the ones that are using their mouse to yeah. make things happen on the screen. Would that count as kinesthetic? Yeah, that would count right. as kinesthetic because it's, it's the idea of... So there are ways that we can incorporate yeah, that into online. It's, essentially, if you've got any kind of like... You you don't have... To, and that's why I say kinesthetic... Because some pits sound messy. 
with so many fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So many fans fit in that. Yeah, and sometimes, computer. you know, you can't get a Lego, you know, <laughs> and um, you're in a coffee shop and like, I'll just get the Lego out, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, essentially, you got. The idea of kinesthetic is very easy to say, getting your hands dirty. In reality, it doesn't mean that. It means experimentation. Mm-hmm. It just means trying it. Um, it's that whole kind of like, learn by doing, learn by doing. So if you've got an activity on a Google Slides where you're moving panels around and just trying to work out, okay, can that can go there and this can go here, that's kinesthetic learning. Mm. If you're, say, using... So I would say it's Scratch. I know like Scratch is kind of like yeah. a, a programming... Yeah. I recommend that in yeah. Um, Creative Ideas. Yeah, if you scratch, essentially a lot of scratch is based on kinesthetic learning. Yeah. You're literally dragging the program blocks around uh, because the idea is I'm just going to work out what I can do. If you, And that's what every child learns to do first. And you'll go into the class, you'll, when, I've taught scratch multiple times, and what you always do is you show them how to move stuff and what the basics do, and then you just set them a task and see what happens. I mean, this actually fits into multiple other learning theories. It fits into the hole in the wall experimentation. It fits into Kolb's experiential learning. It fits into. I'm assuming the hole in the wall. Oh, uh, the hole in the wall. These, these are other. These are other learning okay, models. Okay, uh, we uh, don't what, need to talk about that. Too. Yeah, there's, cool. it's not really learning. Oh, yeah, but essentially. It's another episode. It's another episode. <laughs> um, but essentially, the idea is that you can learn by doing on a, in a, within a digital platform. Oh, the hole in the wall. This is the thing in India. Yes. Where. There was a computer set up. Yeah, it's, I mean, very loosely. Yeah. Um, without going into too much details, this um, educational psychologist thought, I wonder what would happen if I put a computer in a slum in um, India. He put a computer on there, in completely in English. Yeah. He just put a computer into like an ATM style hole because the ATM had been removed because it had gone bust. Mm-hmm. And it was just linked to the internet and that was it. And he then observed what the street kids did. And they started off by looking at it. Then they started by clicking the buttons. Then they um, eventually started downloading games, going online. And by just playing with this computer with no kind of um, outside intervention, they taught themselves English and they taught themselves how to use a computer. Wow. It was... um, and it was then mirrored in multiple places. It was... It's, it's quite an interesting experiment. In fact, this experiment is the basis of Slumdog Millionaire. So Slumdog Millionaire is based oh. on this experiment, the idea of you can self-teach yourself. And it's... Oh, is that why he won the million... Pound, oh, millions, millions, millions of rupees because he was smart because he'd learnt stuff from his hole-in-the-wall computer. Is that the story? No. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's just you just made one up there. I think I think this is the idea. Uh, Some millionaire is just the idea of like a street kid moving up and learning for himself and going through the thing. But it was based on the idea that these street kids, when they have access to something, they mm. can get better and better. I don't sadly, I'm not sure how it happens to these street children. It just proves that kids can learn if you give them the tools. You yeah, don't need to give them the advice. Incredible. Yeah, and it's it's if you're I mean, I don't want to go too much into it because that's no, like, but it's but... making me think. I'm it, almost like, is there uh, maybe this is? I suppose it's probably been researched. So I'll ask: Is there some kind of research like we're saying that in in the sort of reception foundation classes, the smaller, younger children are very, very kinesthetic? Mm. Is there a sort of pattern as you grow up? Do, does this change the preference? I know they're saying it's almost like personality affects it, but does it change as you grow up? 
I wonder. This is really interesting. Mm. This is re- genuinely very interesting. Because um, a lot it, of people listening yeah, to this might be teaching adults. It's, and it, it, I, I, I say this is interesting because this actually affects what I've been doing in my job at the moment. It's actually, and that's teaching maths mastery. The idea of like, we're changing how maths is taught in primary schools because there's this almost like this unsaid rule of you have very kinesthetic learning styles in key stage one and as you move up and they start to write it's like no we're going to make them right now and mm. although like modern teaching is like you use all the elements because you want to engage you want to inspire the children there is this kind of like unsaid rule that says if you're teaching a kid maths you have the counters in key stage one and you have the little diagrams and moving stuff around the table but as soon as they get older that's for the special needs children and it's not for the yeah. higher ability. When in reality, why should the higher ability be a banned from being allowed to use counters? Yeah, and the little the little sort of counters and the little blocks begin to disappear, and then you get the textbook with the yeah. flat page that you can't yeah. touch and interact with and, in the same way. And, and so these changed. so these children actually, if you think about mm. it, they become very good at solving calculations and they can do paper calculations. But in reality, has their concept of maths improved, or has their just ability to work through a sequence of numbers got mm. better uh is their actual understanding of number and visualization mentally better when they've actually got visual and physical elements to move around the table than just paper calculations that mm. like we got it's i mean in that opens up large question itself because obviously there's still gonna be some children out there you know that know what's how a number is moving around in a calculation but there's a lot of middle ability children that actually you know, we assume they're okay, but actually maybe they're not okay. Maybe it would they would actually get a better understanding of place value if they got to use, say, an abacus. But we don't let them use the abacus because we assume that they don't need it. Mm. They had Banky Stage 1. They're not allowed to use it anymore. They're too old for that. Yeah. They're not kinesthetic learners anymore. They're visual learners. They're aural learners. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about how we could bring this online. So the idea that with kinesthetic mm. activities like Google Slides, for example, stuff like that, where you the, the, the student would be actively using the mouse or the keyboard to type or to do perform some sort of action, that would bring in kinesthetic. Yeah. Visual, I guess, and aural. I'm going to call it aural. Aural. <laughs> Visual aural. and aural. <laughs> they, they kind of happen, like, I guess, instinctively just by the fact of being on Skype you're looking at someone and you're listening to them and you're focused more than your some of you know not that you not that your students are, are sat dilly dallying but you're focused more than a student in a classroom might be because yes and no i'm gonna i'm gonna oh, oh, i'm, just, I'm okay. just gonna chip on that one okay. um mostly you, you can't i don't think you should mix up the visual element of you looking at someone's face on skype as being visual <laughs> learning i mean i don't know about you but when i've done a lot of skype calls i tend to start looking at myself in the corner <laughs> so, yeah, sure, so sure. like you might think that they're like they're looking at you That's and they're really taking your point. body language actually totally i'm looking at myself it yeah totally it's um it, it, what you kind of like could use online and it's such a beautiful thing is youtube mm. because that's more visual learning mm. than looking at someone on skype the idea is a skype is the the hearing yes you can see them but in reality you're listening to them because you're right. watching yourself. So, the, <laughs> so, so the, the owl, the listening, is happening Yeah. just by default yeah. on, on Skype. If you're using Google Slides or you, YouTube, that's the visual. That's your visual. Yeah. If you're using Google Slides or something and you've got it interactive and the student is actively needing to use their mouse, so they keep, that's the kinesthetic. Yeah. And what other one? Reading. Well, that's easy, isn't it? If you've got an, an article and writing. up and you Reading and writing, of yeah. course. 
you know, you can be doing that quite simply with uh, reading an article together. Maybe even something like real time board, you can see it and mark it, mark up an article together at the same time. I mean, I've, writing I, is easy. You can I, open a Google Docs and you can yeah edit as a the, really good one as well. Like you could start blending them together and start doing reading comprehension, yeah. which brings in the and so you read something together, you discuss something together. You read something together and then you actually discuss it. So it brings out the reading element and the oral element. Yeah. So it kind I of love, it's, blends What's that blending learn, blended learning, you call it? Yeah. I love that activities like that. where Because from my point of view, I always think of how can I bring in the, the four language skills of yeah. like, you know, reading, listening, speaking, writing. How can I bring one of those into one lesson and into one activity as, as best as possible? And, you know, sometimes you need to be doing things where you're focused on just improving one skill but i think as a general rule it's nice to try and see how you can expand on activities because most of the time you can Mm. like you're saying you know you can have a text that you read with with your eyes and then you can read it out loud so then you're speaking and then you listen to the teacher reading it and then you're listening and you know you can really begin to sort of expand things i guess as well like if you i'm trying to I was just thinking, how can you fit in kinesthetic to that? If you, let's say, keep that example. So you've got a text that you're reading together. You've read it. They've listened to you reading it. They've then read it themselves. And then maybe for the um, kinesthetic, it could also, you, you could also do something where like traffic light reading. I'll talk about this in the next episode, actually, I think traffic light reading, because that's one of it's my favourites. you highlight the things yeah. you're confident with. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've told you about this before. I love doing that. Doop, doop, doop. I've, 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 I've done episode. that. I've done that in comprehension task as well. Yeah. It's fascinating to see what, when when children highlight the words they don't understand. Mm. It's just when they bring you back completely yellow sheet, and you think, oh. <laughs> <laughs> see, I always feel like, oh, it's quite good because then you see it in you know visually in front of you, like, oh, I understand more than I expected. But yeah, sometimes it could be a bit. Yeah. Bit sometimes it's like yeah, sometimes done heartening for yourself. But then like <laughs> the only way that I suppose I imagine you. you you do this it's like you save the first copy and the last copy exactly to compare i always talk about this as well like documenting language mm. learning you know and this i mean just as a side note like how much if, if you are being asked or if you feel like recording evidence mm. um following the vark model is actually quite a nice one because if you want to treat you can start you can say okay there's always the there's always going to be one element of the class that you could record you could change that and when I say record I mean assess or kind of like just record for your own benefit if you want to really show to a student so if you want to say okay we're going to record what you do with the kinesthetic element you could like do screen capture or if you're in person you could actually you do mean re- you mean record what can you clarify oh sorry record? record as in like record for evidence purposes so do you mean do you mean make a record of or do you mean record the call on Skype um I, I mean, because this is where we're working in different worlds, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I suppose in in my world, it would mean like record for assessment and evidence, the fact that the child is learning. But in yours, it could mean the idea, actually, like you said about the traffic lighting and showing how far something's come. If you're thinking of, okay, they're not a confident kinesthetic learner yet, they're not confident in doing it themselves. Yeah. You could record their first attempt, say, on screen capture if it wasn't in person. Of like moving the blocks around and seeing what they do, and then oh, you can record later on. And but you could change each lesson, so you're not saying, okay, we're going to record 
the kinesthetic animus today. We're going to record your reading today. We're going to record, oh, record the... I've never thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah. Just it's, recording segments of the, of yeah, the sessions. I mean, the, like I said, Vark isn't... like You shouldn't think of Vark as like... As we said at the beginning, it's you, you are one set learner. We're all mm. multimodal learners, but you can structure your lesson around it and then you can structure your assessment around that as well. Mm. And if you want to take... And this is and this is the beauty I think if you have adult learners over children's learners. Yeah. Um, when I've because when I've taught adults, they have come out with a lot more excuses why they couldn't do it. But if a child doesn't do it, that's usually because like why didn't you do the work? Ah, oh, I was playing with my dog. You know, they'll come yeah. out with something, but an adult will come out. With, well, you see, when I was when I was a kid, and I and they'll come up with this like long excuse because they tend themselves why they didn't do it, and they don't care what you think. They're, they're trying to convince themselves. But yeah. a child doesn't do that yet. They haven't yeah. got that doubt level. But if you get a adult who actually is a little bit unconfident with their learning, make them do a VAR questionnaire, and then it will come out with it. Even though I said like. You're, you're obviously going to go for the kinesthetic if you feel you're a kinesthetic. If they it's come out evidence. of that, it gives them evidence to say, well, I'm Definitely. a kinesthetic learner. You go, that's great. Tell Definitely. you what, we'll do kinesthetic learning together. And then you've got them on board. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, especially with adults, not children, they have taken the conscious effort to involve themselves in their own learning. And they understand it more. And they understand than, it more, yeah. Like know. children, it's like, you've, with children, it's more for the teacher to think, okay, I have these four areas that I could plan to. Right, mm. with an adult, it's okay. You feel like you're more confident here, so let's build up these other three. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we should sum this up, and I feel like we can sum this up. Yeah, with the sentence: "Play to your strengths, but don't forget your weaknesses." Yeah, that works. You don't sound confident. <laughs> I was really proud of my one-liner. No, it's, it's good. It's good. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. Is it actually? What would you say? I would say we're all multimodal learners. Okay. Don't forget that. <laughs> you, just added, you just added that on to like... Tempted to end it. Yeah, to give it some like sort of, you know, No, code, I, code I, I, I think um, I would say Vark... It's the second most impressive thing to come out of New Zealand. The second? Yeah. What's the first? Well, I mean, Lord of the Rings is pretty impressive. Oh. I would say it's the third most impressive thing rugby. to come out Rugby. forgot of. about rugby. Oh. Oh, no. It's falling down the rankings. <laughs> Lamb's quite good, but um, don't really eat meat. I suppose Lord of the Rings has to... Oh, yeah, it's going down. See, I would put Lord, then Flight of the Concords. Oh, Flight of the Concords, yeah. yeah. Then... Yeah. Then Peter Jackson, just in himself. Just, okay, so, oh, no. It's, <laughs> so Vark is probably in the top ten things. It's done all right. Done all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, action point. Yeah. What's the action point for today? i tell you what a really good action point for today would be, is to Google Vark questionnaire and do it. Oh, I'm going to do it after this episode as well. But you've got to go in with a clear mind, even though you are definitely 100% already in your mind know that you are this learner, this learner, or this learner. But just try and answer it truthfully. And when you've you've done the questionnaire, let me know. Share your results over in the Teach Languages Online Facebook group. I want to hear how this goes for you and what you think of of VARC as well. If you use this when you're planning your lessons, when you're uh, teaching online, 
Okay, thank you, Ashley. No worries. It's been a pleasure, as always. We'll discuss our New Zealand list later. I'm sure we'll come to an agreement of sorts. You've been enjoying Teach Languages Online, the podcast for online language teachers and budding ones too, brought to you by me, Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages, and this episode, Ashley Williams too. <laughs> if you want more from me this episode may i recommend the online language teacher planner the digital and print ready planner to get your online language teaching in order and make you more productive find out more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash teacher planner and remember every fourth week i'll be answering your questions right here on the show so get in touch you can email me at lindsay that's l-i-n-d-s-a-y at doeslanguages.com that's lindsay at doeslanguages.com and you never know it might just be your question i answer next time you can find everything you need from this show over at lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash teach languages online and that's it from us this week i'll leave you with a little nugget of inspiration as always and this time i think it might be something a little bit different ashley what have you got for me this is an anecdote <laughs> is that code for a bad joke <laughs> it's an anecdote a joke. okay hit me so two owners were watching their dog run through the woods and chasing a squirrel. And as they watched this dog run around and bound through the bushes, chasing the squirrel up and down, listening to it turning its head left and right, left and right, they wondered, I wonder how that dog is learning. Is it learning to listen to the squirrel? Is it reading and watching the squirrel? Is it just learning to jump around? And then they realised the dog was in fact staring at the wrong tree and it had been chasing nothing. They said, don't know, but it's definitely barking up the wrong tree. <sighs> <laughs> I hope that was at least mildly inspiring. Have a great week and share this episode with a friend you know will love it too. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. Bye.